0: 70 years with KBS World Radio, 70 years of global Korea. Throughout the year, we celebrate the 70th anniversary of KBS World Radio with the voices of our listeners from all over the world.
1: Bonjour, je m'appelle Aram Kim. Je travaille en tant qu'interprète
2: traductrice et vis actuellement entre Paris et Séoul.
3: Hi, my name is Aram Kim, and I'm an interpreter working in Seoul and Paris. My ties with KBS World Radio date back to 2005. Back then, I was living in France and always felt homesick and thirsty for content from Korea. That is why I started to tune in to KBS World Radio to catch up with the news from home and learn about various areas of the society I wasn't familiar with. It also helped me see Korea from a more objective perspective and better understand the cultural differences between Korea and France. Aussi,
1: c'était très intéressant de découvrir les différentes façons de penser entre
0: les Français et les Coréens sur certains sujets. 70 years with KBS World Radio, 70 years of global Korea. KBS World Radio brings Korea to you wherever you are.
1: Hello, it's Wednesday, the first day of February, and welcome to Korea 24. I'm your host, Kwon Jang-ho. Exports fell for the fourth consecutive month in January, leading to a record high trade deficit. Outbound shipments of semiconductors in particular fell 44%. We'll have more details in news briefing shortly. And We also brought forward our weekly economy review today to review the latest trade data and assess what it signals for the Korean economy this year. Then coming up on Korea Book Club, we take a look at a poetry collection that explores themes including feminism, the environment and the COVID-19 pandemic. We have all that and more on today's Korea 24. South Korea's exports have continued to shrink. In January, the figures went down by some 16% on-year marking four straight months of decline. For more on this story and other headlines of the day, I'm joined in the studio by KBS World Radio News Editor Daniel Che. Daniel, hello. Hello there, Jungle. Yes, yeah, so this trend is, of course, particularly concerning for Korea as exports are viewed as one of the most important driving factors uh, behind the Korean economy. Uh, we are seeing some concerning figures as of late. Can
0: you break down these uh, latest figures for us? Sure thing, Tango. According to the Ministry of Trade, Industry and Energy on Wednesday, outbound shipments for January dropped 16.6% on year, standing at 46.27 billion US dollars. Semiconductor is a leading export item, plunged 44.5% due to falls in prices and demand. Imports dropped by points, 2.66%, rather, to $58.95 billion. We're seeing an all-time monthly high trade deficit of $12.69 billion. Korea logged a trade deficit for 11 straight months since last March, the longest streak since back in the 90s, way back between the period of January 1995 to May 1997.
1: Yes, we'll take a closer look at these figures for weekly economy review today. We'll connect with Professor Yang to break down those key figures and analyse what lies ahead. And that's coming up after this news briefing. Meanwhile, the chipmaker SK Hynix reported operating losses for the fourth quarter of last year. That's the first in a decade amid a slowdown in the global chip market.
0: So this is coming from SK Hynix on Wednesday. So they posted an operating loss of $1.7 trillion between October and December of 2022. Stark contrast to a profit of more than $4.2 trillion the year prior. The world's second largest memory chip maker logged a quarterly loss of $24 billion in Q3 of 2012. And sales dipped more than 37% to $7.7 trillion with a net loss of $3.52 trillion. For the entirety of 2022, SK Hynix notched an operating profit of just over 7 trillion won, a more than 43% dip on year. Sales rose 3.8% to 44.6 trillion won, with a net profit of 2.43 trillion won. While sales continued to grow last year, operating profits fell due to a protracted downturn in the global semiconductor market. The company plans to reduce investments and costs while trying to minimize the impact of the downturn by prioritizing markets with high growth potential. The Chipmaker forecast an improvement in the market starting in the second half of this year. So, hope springs eternal.
1: Moving on to household costs now, the government
0: has announced plans to
1: expand discounts on gas bills. They are being offered up to 592,001 for low income households. That's, of course, amid the soaring heating prices that we've talked about in recent days. So, Daniel, can you give us the details?
0: Right. These are very welcome industry measures from the government. The Energy Ministry announced the additional measures on Wednesday. This follows criticism that many people receiving basic livelihood support were ineligible for state energy vouchers. And support should be extended to households in the second lowest income bracket as well. Out of more than 2 million households that fit in these categories, up to 1.69 million that rely on city gas for heating will benefit from price deductions. All basic living support recipients who are not eligible for the energy voucher system will receive an increase in gas price discounts from 288001 to 592001 for the December to March period. Families in the second lowest income bracket will also see their deductions increase to the same amount. Heating bills are not the only costs that are
1: going up. The basic taxi fare in Seoul rose by 1,001 to 4,801 today. Can you fill us on the details on this uh, first spike in four years?
0: Right. We have been warned yesterday that we should brace for this impact. The initial minimum distance for the base taxi fare used to be two kilometers, now kilometers. 101 is charged for every 131 meters. Previously, it was 132. The meter will rise quicker, 101 every 30 seconds, instead of the previous 31 seconds. For deluxe and large size taxis, the standard fare for the first three kilometers climbed from six won to 7,001. This comes when already from December, the city also pulled the starting point for nighttime surcharges to 10 p.m. instead of midnight. So, this is a move to help increase nighttime taxi services and, of course, to overall increase the number of taxi services out there. And uh, they will be compensated or penalized if they are not providing the right kind of friendly services to. Uh, Uh, customers as well
1: sure but this is all contributing to the cost of living surge that we're seeing uh, in recent months okay let's uh, move on to some other headlines now south korea the united states and japan have jointly urged north korea to abandon its nuclear program and halt missile provocations
0: that was at a un conference on disarmament can you tell us more Ambassador Yoon Sung-mi, South Korea's chief delegate to the conference, made the call during Tuesday's session. In a rare move, she said she was exercising the right to speak on behalf of the governments of South Korea, the U.S., and Japan. Uh, Yoon criticized the North's nuclear and ballistic missile programs as a clear and blatant violation of multiple UNSC resolutions, and that it's a serious threat to peace and security on the peninsula as well as nearby regions. While calling for the complete, verifiable, and irreversible dismantlement of the North's weapons programs, the ambassador reaffirmed that the path for dialogue remains open. However, Chu Yong-chul, a North Korean diplomat, flatly rejected the joint call by the three nations, denouncing it as provocative. He claimed the regime's nuclear forces for the protection of its territory and people, as well as peace and security in the world. The envoy said Pyongyang will never give up nuclear weapons first, and there can be no negotiation on that matter.
1: Meanwhile, President Yoon Song yeol met with U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin in Seoul. The duo exchanged thoughts on various matters, uh, mainly security issues. Can you fill us in on what was
0: covered? On Tuesday in Seoul, presidential spokesperson Kim Inez said in a written press briefing that the president and the Pentagon chief met on Tuesday in Seoul and discussed security conditions of the peninsula, the U.S. extended deterrence, and trilateral security cooperation involving Japan. Yun reportedly asked for bilateral consultations to produce an effective and strong extended deterrence system that can dispel citizens' concerns about North Korea's evolving nuclear threats. He also emphasized the need for effective joint military exercises for security environment on the peninsula. Austin reportedly said the alliance is an important axis of Northeast Asian security and is stronger than ever. He also pledged efforts to bolster extended deterrence against North's nuclear missile threats. That duo assured the need to enhance trilateral security cooperation involving Japan to deter and counter North Korean threats
1: staying on the topic of north korea the voice of america says signs suggesting that north korea is preparing to hold a military parade have been detected at an airport in pyongyang so what are these signs that they've spotted
0: well the report estimated on wednesday that some 30 objects likely to be vehicles or aircraft were seen at the pyongyang sunan international airport via satellite images taken by Planet Labs on Monday. Speculation that the regime is preparing to hold a military parade is mounting now, given that the gathering of dozens of objects at the airport before such events have been spot in the past. Back on January 3rd, VOA also reported satellite images showed more than 10,000 North Korean soldiers gathered at the medium airfield in Pyongyang. NK News earlier raised the possibility that Pyongyang is preparing to hold a military parade to mark the 75th anniversary of the foundation of the Korean People's Army on February 8th. South Korea is reportedly keeping a close eye on whether such a parade will be held on that date.
1: In other news, the Education Ministry plans to hand over to local governments access to a budget of more than 2 trillion won for providing financial support to universities from 2025. That's around half of the ministry's budget earmarked for projects supporting universities this year.
0: That's right, Zhang. According to the ministry on Wednesday, officials briefed President Yun on the so called Regional Innovation System and Education, in short we call it RISE project, during the first meeting of the National Council on Nurturing Talents at a Kumo National Institute of Technology. Currently, the Education Ministry selects universities when pursuing certain projects and provides them with financial assistance. Starting from 2025, 17 local governments will choose the schools they deem that needs nurturing and offers support as part of efforts to find more effective ways to create more competitive schools. The plan also comes amid concerns that the current support system may not be effective in addressing challenges faced by rural areas and helping regional universities suffering from a decline in the school age population. Also, the Education Ministry announced plans to foster what it called local universities, referring to schools that have top class specialized fields. Uh, Such schools will be tasked with leading regional development and growth of other universities in their regions. The ministry plans to select roughly 30 such schools by the year 2027 and provide needed support.
1: We will wrap up our news briefing there,
0: Daniel. Thank you for bringing us those updates. Thank you so much for having me. I'll talk to you next week.
1: South Korea saw a record-high trade deficit in January. The main driving factor was a 16 percent on-year decrease in exports. It was also the fourth consecutive month that outbound shipments shrank. This has continued to raise alarm bells over the nation's economic growth momentum this year. But Finance Minister Chu Kyung-ho has expressed optimism that the situation will turn around, especially with China's recent reopening. To take a closer look at this data, we have moved up our Friday segment, Weekly Economy Review to today, and our expert guest for this segment, economics professor Yang Jun from the Catholic University of Korea, joins us on the line now. Professor Yang, hello, we appreciate you connecting with us on a Wednesday.
4: Happy to be here.
1: So, January trade figures were published today and it led to some grim readings. South Korea's outbound shipments fell 16.6% on year to stand at 46 US billion dollars that's in January while uh, imports dropped 2.6% from a year earlier to come at 59 billion US dollars last month it led to a record trade deficit and it was also the 11th straight month of deficit the longest streak since January 1995 to May 1997 So, Professor, could you first walk us through the latest data?
4: Okay, well, uh, before we go on, uh, let's remind ourselves that last January's exports was really high. It was the highest January exports in Korean history. So, uh, if there were some decline from those numbers, it's uh, not very surprising. But the uh, problem comes partially because... The uh, fall in those numbers, especially for uh, exports, were a lot greater than expected. And we were also hoping that uh, the, uh, ch- uh, for China, because they went off the zero COVID policy, we would have some increase uh, in exports to China, not compared to last January, because they didn't have a zero COVID policy in place at that time, uh, but at least from last month. Uh, so we would see some uh, increase in exports to China. Uh, now, that did not take place. Uh, exports to China fell by 31.4% compared to January 2022. Mm. Uh, but exports to China in January was uh, lower last December. Uh, It was only 9.17 billion in January of this year compared to 11.19 billion uh, compared to December. So even though the zero COVID policy uh, was eliminated in China, Korea's exports went down. And that was especially, uh, at least for me, disappointing. Mm. Now, part of the effect is likely due to the uh, Lunar New Year, uh, which came in early this year. So instead of usual, uh, 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 Lunar New Year is usually in February, but this year it was in January. So that was probably part of the reason for the decline. But the uh, global economic slowdown and global economic inflation, is probably also a main reason why uh, Korea had such a big fall in exports uh, overall and decline in exports to China, more specifically. Um, Now, uh, the exports fell not only uh, to China, but also other major regions. Uh, It fell between 0.7 to 31.4% for all regions uh, except uh, EU and India. Uh, the, uh, some of the uh, major regions that, uh, that had a large decline include ASEAN, the Southeast Asian bloc, uh, n- minus 19.8% compared to last January. Mm. Latin America exports fell, uh, fell by 25%. And CIS, uh, which includes the, uh, Russia as well as, uh, countries neighboring Russia, Korean exports to those countries fell by 17.6%. So it was a global decline, uh, as well as, uh, decline to, uh, China specifically. In terms of uh, merchandise categories, almost all major Korean export categories took a fall, but there's maybe, uh, four notable uh, exceptions. First right. is automobiles. That actually went up by uh, nearly 22%. Uh, petroleum product exports uh, rose by about 12%. Wireless communication equipment, about 18%. And uh, shipbuilding rose by a whopping 86%. Uh, but shipbuilding tends to be very volatile, either has very large increases or decrease uh, month to month. Uh, on the other hand, uh, semiconductors exports fell by 44.5%, uh, hmm. and computers uh, fell by 63.8%. Uh, both of these numbers are not entirely unexpected because uh, the uh, expenditure on IT related consumption and investment has been falling. Uh, since uh, late last year, partially because of recovery from COVID is making people pay less attention to IT and more attention to services, uh, which had been uh, frozen out during the uh, lockdowns and shutdowns during the pandemic. Uh, So uh, decline in semiconductors was somewhat expected. Uh, again, uh, it was due to uh, decline in consumption and investment on IT mm. uh, and uh, economic slowdown globally overall, as well as there's, there was a lot of hoarding of semiconductors because while during the beginning of the pandemic, we experienced shortages in, pand- uh, in semiconductors that made a lot of uh, users uh, hoard semiconductors and now instead of buying new semiconductors they're just running down the inventory stock right uh, so the uh, price and demand for semiconductors had been falling and that was reflected in fourth quarter earnings for Samsung and Hynix where the profits uh, fell uh, drastically and Hynix I believe actually went into a loss mm. now uh, Because exports fell so much because of the global slowdown, we were also hoping that perhaps imports uh, would have fallen as well. But imports only fell by 2.6%. Imports of oil uh, did fall by 10% compared to last January. But imports of natural gas actually rose by 6%. Uh, That's probably because of the very cold weather that we've been having. Uh, And the uh, rise in 6%, is uh, calculated by value in volume. It probably uh, Im- we probably imported even more than six percent uh, rise, uh, yeah. and that's because the price of natural gas has been falling throughout the month of January. Uh, so uh, the uh, cold weather has been playing a part of it as well, and the uh, resulting trade. Deficit, twelve point six nine billion million, is the largest monthly trade deficit in Korean history, sorry to say.
1: Well, Professor, thank you for that comprehensive walkthrough of the latest uh, trade figures. But looking ahead, uh, I'm curious about your overall analysis. How concerning is this trend? Uh, the finance minister, Chu Kyung-woo, said today, Wednesday, that South Korea's trade performance is expected to gradually improve in the months to come due to the reopening of China from the long lockdowns. Although, as you pointed out, we didn't see that in January. Uh, But do you expect that to change in the coming months?
4: Well, uh, it's a very shaky prediction, but I do predict that we will have trade surplus. Uh, in the year, uh, but it will not be a very happy surplus. What I mean by that is it's very likely to be a recessionary surplus where imports and exports both fall, but imports fall much faster than exports. And the reason I'm thinking uh, that it will be such a recessionary uh, surplus is that last year we had the global inflation. Uh, That's why the value of our imports rose so much, and that was the main cause of uh, Korea's trade deficit last year, but uh, the global inflation actually helped Korea a bit as well because it raised the value of prices of Korean exports as well. So global inflation alleviated some of the problems caused by itself. But because inflation is likely to become lower this year, we will not have such a big rise in prices, and we are faced with a declining volume of both Exports and imports. Uh, so I am expecting a trade surplus in the year. But again, if you look at the value of exports and imports, it will be uh, lower than it was last year. And. Last year, uh, the uh, exports and imports were at historical levels, in part because of the uh, high global inflation. Uh, Now, there are a lot of uncertainties in the picture, especially concerning oil prices and energy prices. Uh, It depends on how the uh, uh, Russian invasion into the Ukraine develops. Uh, It also depends on how the energy market Response to China's re entering the uh, global economy after the uh, zero COVID uh, policy is eliminated. Mm. Uh, So there's a lot of uncertainties. uh, But for the very same reason that we had a trade deficit last year, that the import prices moved much more than export prices, I'm expecting a trade surplus this year. uh, So the uh, import prices will fall much faster than export prices, uh, but uh, it's only the uh, first month of the year so far and there's a lot of uncertainties.
1: Sure. So for now, it seems like uh, we will perhaps get a trade surplus uh, this year, but as you said, not a happy surplus. Okay, before we wrap up, there is one more issue that I would like to get your thoughts on today. Uh, According to the Ministry of Economy and Finance, South Korea's tax revenue rose uh, 51.9 trillion one in 2022 from a year earlier the government collected 395.9 trillion one in taxes last year that's about 321 billion u.s dollars and that's a 15.1 percent increase from 2021 so professor what factors led to this rise in tax revenue
4: well inflation is probably the uh, main culprit here as well Especially the increase in price of housing now uh, the price of housing in Korea did fall toward the latter part of the year but remember for the uh, first uh, part of the year the prices were rising and it was rising much faster than expected and when the uh, stand reference price for housing was determined in mid-year the uh, housing prices were near the highest peak Uh, so the uh, property taxes and uh, comprehensive real estate taxes that were calculated using that reference value uh, was at the uh, highest levels of housing prices. So there were uh, extra income from that. And to the extent that the uh, price increases were higher than expected, we probably got more tax receipts than expected. Uh, and then other factors include uh, the uh, revenge spending that we had toward the latter part of the year on services, and that increased income from uh, the uh, v- value-added tax, which is like a sales tax. Uh, it also probably increased income taxes and uh, corporate taxes as well. Even though inflation cut people's uh, purchasing power, it did raise wages and revenues uh, uh, somewhat. Mm. and korea uh, assesses taxes not based on purchasing value of income and profits but on the nominal numerical value of income and uh profits right. so uh, because the even though the purchasing power the real value of uh, profits and income probably fell uh, because not, uh, the uh, numerical value went up, the uh, taxes probably went up as well, uh, so that may uh, that probably accounts for uh, most of the uh, increase in taxes as well as uh, some proportion which was uh, over the amount of tax uh, receipt that were expected, but it's not likely that these happen- mm. uh, these happenings will uh, repeat this year because well uh, for one thing, inflation will probably be lower this year uh, housing prices are coming down, uh, and the uh, so the uh, tax uh, tax revenues are probably going to be uh, increasing by less than it did last year and to the extent that uh, housing prices may fall more than expected we will probably have less uh, property taxes and uh, comprehensive real estate taxes Mm. Uh, so this is not likely to be repeated this year
1: right but briefly professor despite the increase in tax revenue south korea's uh, budget deficit last year is forecast to surpass 100 trillion won as the uh, managed fiscal balance, uh, a key indicator of fiscal health calculated on a stricter term, posted a debt of $98 in the January to November period in 2022. Uh, the managed uh, fiscal balance excludes uh, the four major social welfare funds from the uh, consolidated balance. So what's causing the high budget deficit, Professor?
4: Okay, well, it just shows basically that uh, if you get, say, Uh, 10% increase in tax receipts, politicians will find a way to increase spending by 20%. Uh, Remember that we had a very large supplementary budget spending last year, due in part because politicians argued that we will have a large unexpected increase in tax receipts because of the unexpected rise in housing prices last year. Right. Uh, So uh, they seem to have increased the spending much more than what was wanted by tax receipts. Now, some of that is uh, understandable Uh, because the pandemic was still in place last year. There were places where we did have to spend a lot of money on. Uh, But looking back, uh, maybe some of the spending was not really necessary. Uh, For example, handing out subsidies to everyone rather than people who really needed those subsidies. Uh, and uh, what we should remember about deficits is that they have to be financed usually through borrowing and the uh, large deficit in government spending together with large deficits in the uh, Kepco Power Company and Korea Gas Corporation because of the large deficits that they had last year because they were selling energy for so cheap uh, Mm. It's responsible for driving out a lot of private companies from the bond market this year because these public corporations and governments were just soaking so much, soaking up so much of the funds available for borrowing right. that it, not enough of it was available to private companies.
1: Well, Professor, we're out of time, so we're going to have to leave it there. Uh, we've been speaking to Professor Yang Junshock from the Catholic University of Korea. Thank you once again for your analysis. Thank you.
3: Welcome to the Korea 24 Stock & Forex update. The benchmark Korea Composite Stock Price Index rose 24.72 points or 1.02 percent on Wednesday to close the day at 2,449.8. The tech-heavy Kosdaq also gained by 10.47 points or 1.41 percent to end the day at 750.96. On the foreign exchange, the local currency strengthened 0.61 against the US dollar, closing the day at 1,231.31. You can check Korean stock and forex closings at world.kbs.co.kr.
1: We continue on now to Korea trending, our daily segment, rounding up some of the other news headlines that have been trending online today. And for that, we have Diane Yu joining us in the studio. Once more to bring us those stories Dan, hello it's good to see you
3: Hello Jango, it's good to see you too
1: okay, so what stories do you have for us today?
3: first, we'll talk about the government's plan to introduce exclusive license plates for vehicles registered as company cars. We'll also find out why Hansung Food President Kim Soon-ja will be facing trial. Finally, we'll learn about a report that ranked South Koreans as the biggest spenders on luxury items.
1: Okay, so let's get into those stories then, and we start with one about license plates. Can you tell us more?
3: Right. From as early as this July, the government will introduce exclusive license plates for company cars. During a public hearing on Tuesday, the Ministry of Land, Infrastructure and Transport proposed introducing light green plates for vehicles registered as company cars from this summer. Adopting these exclusive plates was part of President Yoon suk pr- campaign pledges. Currently, the color of license plates for ordinary vehicle is white. The measure is aimed at preventing business owners from registering high-priced import cars as company cars only to use them for personal purposes. They apparently do this because they are able to save on taxes.
1: Right. So... Isn't it illegal to use a company car for personal use?
3: It could be seen as an act of embezzlement or tax evasion, but there are no clear regulations in place to put a stop on it. Mm. Amid criticism of the lack of such rules, the government came up with the latest exclusive plates. Company cars get to have tax breaks as all key costs, including purchase costs, insurance and fuel, are considered to be the company's expenditure
1: okay so how many high-priced cars are registered under a company currently
3: According to government data, more than 71 percent of newly registered vehicles in the past five years that cost between 100 million and 400 million won were company cars. That's between 80 and 320 thousand U.S. dollars. Over 88 percent of newly registered cars that cost more than 400 million won were company cars. As of 2021, the nation had some 2.35 million cars registered under a company. The transportation ministry is hoping that the light green license plates, which stand out, will prevent people from using company cars for personal purposes.
1: Right, so people on the streets will be able to spot which cars are company cars Mm -hmm. or not if this rule comes in. Whether that will actually stop this practice is something that I think will need to be watched because in many instances it can be difficult to discern whether a car is being used for personal or business purposes. Uh, But yes, we'll see how this change could perhaps help enforce Mm -hmm. the law when it is introduced later this year. Let's uh, move on to our second story. What do you have for us?
3: Hansong Food President Kim Sun-ja, who was the first kimchi master of Korea, will face trial for violating the Food Sanitation Act. According to the prosecution on Tuesday, the Seoul Western District Prosecutor's Office indicted Kim and eight other officials of a subsidiary of Hansong Food on charges of violating the food sanitation law last Friday. The nine are accused of making and selling 240,000 kilograms of kimchi using rotten and discolored vegetables that are key ingredients in making the traditional Korean side dish between 2019 and February of last year.
1: Yes, I remember we talked about this topic on our show last February. The Ministry of Food and Drug Safety launched an investigation into the case. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's after whistleblowers disclosed videos uh, of a factory where the kimchi products were made.
3: That's correct. The public was shocked by the videos released by media outlets of a factory belonging to a subsidiary of Hansung Food. The condition of the vegetables was not the only disturbing part of the videos, as they also showed the poor hygiene of the factory itself. The food ministry handed over the case to the prosecution last October, eight months after launching its probe. Initially, the prosecution looked into the ministry's assessment that a certain official was responsible uh, for the making of the poor quality kimchi but after re-analyzing digital evidence it was found that kim was behind the certain officials activity
1: yes the footage was very damning and stomach turning Mm -hmm. so uh, we also mentioned that kim is the first so-called kimchi master in korea what will become of her title with this latest development
3: well, she had previously returned the government certificate that designated her as Grand Master in March of last year after the allegations surrounding her kimchi surfaced. She also had declared to shut down the factory. Hansung Food makes kimchi in three of its factories and in one of its subsidiaries' factories. Roughly 70% of the kimchi made in this subsidiary's factory is exported to other countries, with the rest being supplied to a general hospital in Seoul and a top resort franchise.
1: Right. So this was a source of international shame then as mm-hmm. the products were exported to other countries. As you said, uh, they should have acted as ambassadors to Korean right. cuisine, but instead brought disgrace. We'll keep tabs on how the trial goes. Of course. OK, let's move on to our final story. What else has been trending?
3: A story by an Italian daily business newspaper about South Koreans and their love for luxury items had made the rounds online in Korea. Uh, Il Sole 24 Ore said Sunday that South Korea is emerging as a major force in the global luxury goods market, saying the country shine like a bright star last year. The paper cited a Morgan Stanley report that assessed that South Koreans spent a total of $16.8 billion on luxury products in 2022, up 24% from 2021. That's $325 per capita, the highest level in the world. It's also far more than the $55 and $280 per capita spent by Chinese and American nationals, respectively.
1: Yes, for anyone who has seen the queues outside of uh, luxury brand stores and whole department stores, uh, they will perhaps not be yeah. surprised. Uh, did the report have any explanation why luxury goods are so popular in Korea?
3: According to the American news outlet CNBC, Morgan Stanley analysts said in the report that appearance and financial success can resonate more with consumers in South Korea than in most other countries. It's also worth noting that over the past few years, more and more Korean celebrities have become brand ambassadors of international luxury brands such as Rosé and Jenny from Blackpink, the rapper G-Dragon, and the actor Lee Min-ho. Market observers believe that celebrities' influence could also have played a part in the increase in sales
1: yes i understand that the pandemic has also driven up sales in the past three years as uh, people spend more money on luxury goods as they couldn't spend it elsewhere such as on holidays abroad so what else did the italian newspaper say
3: Well, it said Koreans' love for luxury products is evident in Italy's exports of goods to South Korea. The Daily said Italy's exports to the country grew 4.4% on-year in 2022, and that leather products, shoes, clothes, and jewelry were among the top five export items. Uh, Ferdinando Guelli, the manager of the Italian Trade Commission in South Korea, said if automobiles are also taken into account, luxury brands accounted for more than half of Italy's exports to South Korea in 2022. 2022. Gweli said Korean consumers are passionate about fashion and have a strong tendency to lead fashion trends and discover high-quality products, and this is why they also favor small Italian luxury brands. It will be interesting to see if Koreans will stay as the world's largest, biggest spenders on luxury goods in this year, 2023.
1: Indeed, now that people are spending their money traveling overseas Mm -hmm. again as well. Right. Okay, we'll wrap it up there for today's Korea Trending. Thank you for those stories, and we'll see you next time. See you tomorrow. continue on now to our literary corner Korea Book Club where we explore the world of Korean literature through works available in translation and beyond and for that we have joining us in the studio now our literary critic Barry Welsh Barry hello it's great to see you again yes good evening Okay, so what do you have in store for us today?
5: So, this evening we're reviewing a poetry collection called Nearly All Happiness. The Korean title is Koi Modun Kibum, and it's by Isoyon, translated by Sunny Che and published by Asia Publishers as part of their K poetry series. And this is Isoyon's first collection of poems to be translated into English. And I believe this English translation and the Korean version were uh, basically published at the same time in uh, mid to late 2022. So it's a new uh, collection. Uh, and Lee made her debut in 2014 uh, when she won the Korea Economic Daily Spring Literary Contest. And her, the, uh, her previous collection of poems was called I Need a Girl Who Will Die Slowly. Uh, she's also written an essay collection called Water Deer and is part of a poetry collective known as Kyom. Uh, and regular listeners might remember that translator Sunny Che also translated Maya in Tokyo by Changgu Jin Uh, which we reviewed and were impressed by last year Mm. and of course we've reviewed uh, numerous stories and poetry collections put out by Asia uh, publishers Mm. and these work in this volume explores uh, several different themes uh, including feminism life and death uh, internalised violence and the environment and one critic had this to say about her work the lyrical wording and delicately wrought sentences give the poems an allure while the variations and tone add lushness
1: right uh, i understand that e is known for and committed to writing about an issue in particular and mm-hmm. that is one you mentioned that is feminism and gender discrimination. Is that evident in this collection too then?
5: Yes, right, absolutely. So there's an excellent essay at the end of the collection where uh, E explains her uh, journey into awareness of gender discrimination. So she writes that in her youth she uh, tried to believe that uh, quote, male and female bodies are no different in their experience of love and passion. I used to be free in sexual expression. Lacking gender awareness, I never contemplated the gendered understanding underpinnings of discriminatory sayings and doings however uh, she goes on to write that after she left home her home you know was a very sort of safe place for her to grow up but after she left home as a young adult as a young woman going to university uh, and so on for the first time the world came rushing in at her and she had several uh, unpleasant experiences such as lewd comments from strangers uh, and even a stalker and this quickly convinced her uh, of otherwise Mm. and that she'd had a sort of sheltered uh, upbringing. Uh, And she came to realise that she was living in a state of what she calls female unfreedom. Living in a
1: state of female unfreedom, that is uh, quite a powerful phrase, I think. Uh, How does she highlight this, Unfreedom for readers, then.
5: Right, so it comes through uh, the. It's the, the, it, it sort of. It's touched upon in, in, in a few of the poems, but I think it comes through the most in a poem entitled uh, Monstrously Feminist Man. Uh, and in this poem, uh, he writes. Uh, I'll quote a little section of the the poem here from the first stanza. Uh, A man likes to wash, clean and cook. Once you meet and marry this man, he will be ironing blouses in a sunny room, claiming credit for it all, even for your childbirth. Uh, And then the poem continues in this uh, very uh, pointed and uh, deeply... Uh, critical vein of the, this man, these type of men, this attitude, until she concludes, I yield my every right to you. Take this holy child uh, that this labor of mine may now be yours. I give you my spasms of pain, uterine muscles, contractions, all that I am. No credit to me, a leeching wife. Uh, and the poem in its totality is quite a devastating and uh, a bitter uh, condemnation and, and critique of... Uh, the male desire to control uh, the female experience Wow indeed uh,
1: the emotions seem very raw in just mm-hmm. those uh, few lines you quoted there and I think it gives a glimpse into her writing on this topic uh, but as well as feminism and gender issues, I understand that E also writes about the environment and the natural world. Can you tell us more about this aspect of her poetry?
5: Right, so there, there's a lot of different, uh, different you know, elements and different strands and, and, and things happening in these poems. So throughout the collection... You know, and this is one of the elements I think most, many readers will enjoy. I like this a lot. So she returns again and again to the imagery of the natural world. So trees and animals and, and fish in the sea. And she's a very good natural world or environmental poet. Uh, that type of imagery, the imagery that she uses connect connected to, you know, trees and, and so on, you know, that lingered with me after reading the poems. Mm. I think that, that many readers will have the same experience. Uh, and the imagery, it serves you know, different purposes and different poems. So in one poem, there is uh, a, a several hundred year old hackberry tree. And through the life of this tree, she uh, uses that to talk about time and love and how they're connected. Uh, and then there's a poem called Imagination of the Earth. Uh, and we see what could be in some kind of environmental catastrophe. Uh, and that's sort of linked to a, a cycle of birth and death and rebirth or perhaps uh, something, something else, just calamity. And then there's other poems where this idea of ecological disaster also arises. So in one poem, she writes, The dying earth spins, rain falls undeterred. And then in another, she says, I see a flooded world above and in these poems, uh, you get a sense of this the, the vastness of the world and the sheer history of evolutionary uh, processes, and how perhaps, or uh, they they could very well be spinning sort of out of control. Mm. Uh, and again and again, she returns to imagery of trees. Uh, you know, trees are growing or dying or providing comfort in some way. And then in others, she imagines herself as uh, a sea creature. Uh, and in many, seems to ponder the nature of evolution, even quoting. At one point, um, Steven Pinker's line, cheating drives uh, evolution. And there's frequently a kind of anxiety to the imagery uh, or at the very least, some of the imagery just a sense of anxiety in, in, in me. Sure. I mean, I don't think it's
1: probably not just you. It right. sounds like no, uh, uh, yeah, it is uh-huh. a characteristic of her work. Uh, there's one more aspect of her work that I want to ask you about. As mm-hmm. you said, this... Uh, Work was uh, this collection was published in uh, 2022 last year, mm-hmm. and understand the COVID nineteen pandemic has inspired her work as well. Uh, as we might expect, the uh, the shadow of the pandemic has had an effect on poetry written in the last couple of years in Korea and elsewhere. Of course, for example, we've talked previously about uh, Homo Maskus uh, Kim Soo Yeol uh, by Kim Soo Yeol, which uh, prominently featured COVID inspired poems. I believe that is also another aspect uh, in this collection. Uh, how does COVID-19 pandemic and related issues feature
5: here? Right, yeah. So, of course, as, as you would ex- expect, such a big event that's touched everybody's life, you would expect to see that reflected in the work of, of poets producing poems during this period. Mm. And as with the environmental poems, that's also about another issue which affects everybody. We you know, see that this recurring feature of books Know, published in series that we've been reviewing uh, selections from over the last few years that the pandemic has been the source of inspiration for for poets and for writers and we do see that in these poems as well uh, and in one of the essays uh, she includes at the end of the collection and again the 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 pandemic and the the vaccine uh in these poems the Sort of serve as this general uh, anxiety inducing experience, mm. uncertainty inducing experience. So, for example, in a poem called Fist, uh, she writes that neighborhood doctors jokingly say, were this a clinical trial, the vaccine would be a flop. Today I get my booster shot. And it's a poem that's deeply ambivalent uh, about the reactions to the pandemic and the experience of living go, going through the pandemic. Mm. But again, you know, it's a, a very interesting poem, and, and, and you know, inspired by uh, this, you know, this event that's obviously affected all of us. But overall, yeah, you know, it's a very, it's a fascinating collection of poems. It touches on a lot of different issues of, of uh, contemporary concern. It's full of. Uh, beguiling imagery uh, and for many I'm sure it will leave a a very strong impression
1: Yeah indeed, it sounds like a collection with a lot to unpack for readers, I feel there's a a lot that uh, readers will get out of it it's called Nearly All Happiness by Yis ho and that's all for Career Book Club today Barry thank you for that portfolio review and we'll talk to you again soon Okay, take care
0: Did you enjoy this segment? You can discover more segments like this throughout the week on Korea 24. On Monday, we bring you news from the world of sports around the peninsula. Then on Tuesday, notable guests from various fields join us and give us insight into their lives and work. Are you a fan of books? Then tune in on Wednesday for Korea Book
3: Club, where our book critic helps us unpack works by Korean authors or written on Korea. Go on an adventure with us every Thursday as we take a look at Korea's hidden gems with Explore Korea. And on Friday, listen to what our film critics have to say about the latest movie releases from both home and abroad. We have all that you need, all in one place, on Korea 24.
1: We finish up the show with our closing segment, Morning Edition Preview, where we take a look at some interesting features or reports coming out in tomorrow's newspapers. And for that, our staff editor, Richard Larkin, has joined us in the studio now. Richard, hello, it's good to see you. Hello, good to see you too. So you've been looking through
2: those papers for us. What I have. caught your eye first for tomorrow? So in South Korea, there was a surge in heating costs in December, and this stunned many around the country. Mm. I'm sure this isn't just an issue in Korea, but with Russia's invasion of Ukraine being just one of the things that happened last year, countries have seen prices soar. Indeed. At the same time, temperatures dropped a lot this winter. I remember one day I looked at the weather forecast and it said it was minus 15 degrees Celsius. I'm sure it was even colder at one point. Yes, I think it got to minus 17 in Seoul at one point. Right. So reducing heating costs is difficult because of how cold it has been. But there are people who found a way. This is what Yi Kyung-min's article in the analysis section of the Korea Times is about. OK, so this
1: is a sort of list then of things Korean people use to keep warm, while
2: also not increasing their heating bills, you mean? Exactly. Let's start with a popular recommendation, which is buying a tent. A man in his 20s said that he was able to find one for around 25,000 won, which is about $20, and that was all he needed. Hmm. It was a bit strange to me reading about it, but the more I read, the more I understood what he was talking about. Right. He was able to set up a tent in his bedroom, and his body heat and the air were trapped inside, so it kept him warm. Right. A woman who has children also bought a tent for the kids' room. She said the children loved sleeping in it as it felt like camping for them.
1: Wow. Okay. So sleeping in a tent, that is quite a left field solution. Yes. But I guess uh, it does make sense, especially if you can find uh, a cheap one uh, right. like uh, the, one, the man uh, you
2: mentioned earlier. Uh, what else was recommended? Well, this is not something that is new, but it wasn't something that I thought of until I came to Korea. Mm. The next recommendation is to use insulating curtains, tapes and the sheets that you can find that look like bubble wrap. Windows are often the areas where the cold air comes from, so Mm. putting them on the windows helps a lot. These tips should be useful for the next month or two until the weather starts becoming warmer because costs are not likely to decrease for a little while.
1: Yes, you'll see bubble wrap on windows on a lot of uh, old Korean houses because Mm. uh, they didn't have very good insulation or double glazing, but I guess they are still effective in modern apartments for those who are looking to cut down their heating costs. So some interesting solutions there, but it also shows how high prices have risen so that people mm. are resorting to these
2: sorts of uh, measures as well. Right. Okay, let's move on to our next story. What do you have for us? Next, we have some good news from Korea's performing arts scene that can be found in Park ga youngs article in the Life and Style section of the Korea Herald. As we all know, the COVID-19 pandemic hit everyone hard, including businesses. Mm. But as most social distancing measures have been lifted, we kind of saw a bit of a return to normality. And it looks like Korea's performing arts are back stronger than before the pandemic. That's according to the data released by the Korea Performing Arts Box Office Information System on Wednesday. Wow, that is great news indeed. Can you walk us through what the data looks at and what it shows? Well, the data is based on last year's ticket sales. It shows that the combined revenue of over 14,000 musicals, theatrical plays, classical concerts, and other performances came to 45 million US dollars in 2022. To put that into perspective that's a 43 percent increase from pre-pandemic revenue in 2019 it's also an 82 percent increase from the total in 2021 a huge jump it is indeed i think one of the reasons as
1: well is because people couldn't spend money going abroad they were seeing shows here
2: in korea and spending right. money uh, that way as well uh so what else did the collected data show it shows that musicals saw the biggest increase overall they received 76% of the total revenue. The article also mentions that the top 20 performances last year in terms of revenue were all musicals. Wow. It also mentions that the increase in revenue is not due to raised ticket prices because the data shows that there was an increase in performances and the number of tickets sold. Overall, things are looking good for Korea's performing arts scene and in 2023, a further increase in revenue is predicted. OK, we'll wrap it up there for Morning
1: Edition Preview. Thank you for bringing us those stories, Richard, and we'll see you again next time. Thank you. And that's where we wrap it up for our show today. Thank you for staying with us. We'll be back same time tomorrow. So do join us again then to continue to get your daily dose of Korean news analysis. Till then, we hope you have a great day. I've been your host, Kwon jang and thank you, as always, for listening. Goodbye. <music>
0: KBS World Radio.